Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Conversation of Our Generation, where we solve today's problems with the wisdom of the past. My name is Nick Jamel and I'm the creator of the podcast and the blog, The Conversation of Our Generation. And today we're going to be talking about <clears throat> Freedom of Religion Decisions of the United States Supreme Court. It is a book that was edited together in 1996, so, and it spans over a hundred years, about 120 years of Supreme Court decisions on religious freedom from, and it has about 18 cases in it that it covers and really dives into a lot of the insights. And it's cool to me to see, you know, I've read Supreme Court cases here and there from just one, another book that I mentioned, uh, by, it was some of the landmark cases of the Supreme Court, but this was really interesting because they're all on the same topic. And you can see how the ideas build on each other and how they answer each other and how precedent works. And I really liked reading it because of that. <clears throat> and a little bonus that I found out as I was wrapping up my reading was that the, it also has the Constitution in the back as kind of part of the index. So you also get a nice, easy to read, well printed copy of the Constitution as well if you're interested in diving into that some more too. So before I get too far ahead of myself and start telling you all the amazing things about this book, <clears throat> I want to remind you that if you're listening to this, check out the show notes if you're interested in the book and click the link there in order to buy your copy. That helps me out and really just helps me support what I do here and grow the podcast at the Conversation of Our Generation. And then go to conversationforgeneration.com slash podcast if you're looking to see where you can subscribe and make sure that we're on the platform that you're on. I'm on a bunch of different ones, but I'm on the big three of Spotify, Google Play, Apple uh, Podcasts. And so check that out, Twitter and Facebook. Follow me there. Twitter is just at conofourgen or facebook.com slash conversationforgeneration. And I'm also on Minds and Parlor. If you just search Conversation for Generation, I'll pop up on just about any social media. I'm pretty sure I've created profiles about everywhere, but <laughs> I don't necessarily always use them. I think I have one on Tumblr as well, but I just post whatever blogs to that. So I don't actually know how my followers are there <laughs> by any means. Uh, I am not a Tumblr user, so that is why I'm not sure. And so... With that, we can now hop on over to the quote of the week, <clears throat> and this one comes out of the book that I'm talking about. It's a quote from one of the cases, so that you can get a little bit of a sense of some of the ideas that come up in the book. And this one is from Cantwell versus Connecticut, which I will tell you what year that is, but the one who wrote the decision was Justice Owen Roberts. And so, Cantwell was a decision that came up in, looking for it here, on May 20th, 1940. So, just to give you a little bit of perspective on when this was written and uh, what was, and then I can also kind of talk a little bit about the case afterwards as well. <clears throat> but, what they say here is, in the realm of religious faith and in that of political belief, sharp differences arise. In both fields, the tenets of one man may seem the rankest error to his neighbor. 
To persuade others to his own point of view, the pleader, as we know, at times, resorts to exaggeration, to vilification of men who have been, or are, prominent in church or state, and even to false statement. But the people of this nation have ordained in the light of history that, in spite of the probability of excesses and abuses, these liberties are, in the long view, essential to enlightened opinion and right conduct on the part of the citizens of a democracy. <clears throat> and so, I enjoy this because I think it's a good view to have that we're going to allow problematic speech, hateful, angry speech, and the reason we do that is because we would rather have that than silence people, is basically what they're saying. And he says so here for religious speech. And the reason why he is talking about that is I, this case was one where Cantwell was a, I think he was a Jehovah's Witness. I'm checking that right now. And they uh, were going around and <clears throat> um, trying to evangelize people. And they had these records that they were played that were very anti-Catholic. And they played them for some Catholic people one time on a street corner. And the guys, you know, got a little heated, got into a heated exchange. And I'm not sure if it came to blows. It doesn't really necessarily say. But the men were definitely upset and ready to <laughs> fight, the, fight them about, I mean, basically being insulted and harangued for... <laughs> you know, when they were trying to stop and be charitable and listen to this person's point of view. And the purpose here, so what they ended up getting in trouble on was that the law said that you couldn't solicit religious ideas in certain places and kind of limited where you can evangelize. And some of the, <clears throat> and the ways also that you could evangelize too. And so some of the charges against them were struck down. I believe one or two of them stuck because of, uh, they, be, not because of the slandering of the religion, but because of the way that he went about kind of not getting a permit, kind of like you would to protest or something like that. They said that it's fine to say that in a public area, you can't necessarily just do whatever you want. You can't like disrupt the flow of everything going on in a city as well so with especially without so that's so they were allowed to do that um or so they some of the charges did stick but it's interesting to see just how this thinking arises and i liked it because towards the end of the book they would refer back to wording and cases in some of the ones that i had just read and so i enjoyed really just reading these and they are put in chronological order starting with mormon polygamy <clears throat> and ending with some of the Basically, a lot of them in the end were basically atheist appeals to get anything that's mildly religious out of schools <laughs> in like the 60s through the 70s and 80s. And then last one, last couple were some interesting cases of school districts doing too much to accommodate religious people, basically, and creating a religious school district. And it was actually in New York in the 90s, which is incredible to me because... You would not see that today. But it was actually, uh, they said it was Governor Cuomo, which I assume means that it was Mario Cuomo, uh, Andrew Cuomo and Chris Cuomo's dad. So that's 
it was definitely interesting to me to read that case knowing where their son is taking the governing of that state and what's going on there now. But I think the other thing I like about this book is they kind of take out some of the legalese and will tell you that they do it at the beginning. But what they do basically is <clears throat> some of the times where they go back and forth and they're like the defendant and the the appellant and this and you know they kind of refer to the people not referring to them by their names what this book does is it puts in the name of the person in order to help you kind of just read it easier and not have to like okay who is which here uh who's the defendant who's suing who and and so i like that about it it made it read quicker and easier and just more to the layman like me <laughs> and so i enjoyed that and I think based on, it kind of inspired what I was talking about on Tuesday and based on some of the principles that I drew out of this and reading it on how to deal with the separation of church and state, where is the line of freedom on re acting out your religion or where is the line of the ability for a church or sorry, for a state to interact with or do something to help or favor a church in some way, shape or form. I mean, tax breaks and stuff like that are in here consistently that saying that that is an okay thing to not charge them taxes. They do that for other non-religious institutions like libraries and parks or something like that, that they see out there for the common good or for the public good. And so it's interesting to see the way that they reason through these. And I, recommend that you check out this book. It's not too expensive. It's only like, I think it was like six or seven bucks when I looked on Amazon. And so it's definitely a good thing to have. I mean, you get a copy of the constitution, you get a bunch of the, these cases that really change the way we look at religious freedom in this country. If you look at the differences between the early cases and the latter ones, it's pretty crazy. It's a, it's a very stark difference of the types of cases being brought up. And I think it's important to recognize that because, and it's also important to recognize how doc, not doctrine, um, different amendments as well, like the 14th amendment and the due process clause have affected that as well, because before that states had the right to do whatever they wished as far as religion. It was just on a restriction on the federal government and I think it's cool to see that that doc, the way that that changed how the the Supreme Court talks about it, and that they refer back to that, and they very quickly. I mean, by the time that you get to this Cantwell case that I mentioned earlier, it's just a given that like every state has to respect this, and so I really enjoyed this book. I definitely think that you would too. There's, I can kind of give you an overview of some of the cases here so you can get an idea. And so, because <clears throat> I, I, I think it's important to see what kind of cases that we're talking about. So the first one is Mormon polygamy, and it was basically a, over a federal law that banned polygamy. The next one was the right to attend a parochial school, and that was uh, over a law that basically made everyone attend public schools in, I think it was Oregon. And then 
there's one on the religious liberty, like we talked about with Cantwell and that case. Then public money for religious purposes, early release time for religious instruction. So that was an interesting one. Can a school let out an hour early for people to go get religious instruction <clears throat> or do whatever? But then there was one on school prayer, Bible reading in public schools, the monkey law, <clears throat> of course, and tax exemptions for church property, taxpayer support of religious schools, compulsory education of the Amish, uh, the Ten Commandments Act, the Creechy case, which I do not actually remember fully which one that was. Uh, Islamic prayers in prison, distribution of religious literature, prayers at graduation, ritual animal sacrifice, which we talked about in Tuesday's episode, the Jewish school district, and then, which is the one I just mentioned earlier about Governor Cuomo, and then it goes into the Constitution and the index. And so, definitely just a wide range of cases, and you get to see how these same principles apply to all these different situations. And so, definitely go in and check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Conversation of Our Generation. I'll talk to you next time.